Welcome to Artists of New England. This is a podcast created to inspire you on your journey of artistic expression. Whether you are a career artist, a teacher, an emerging artist, or hobbyist, you can learn and gain support from your peers. We will explore the symbiotic relationship between these groups, lending insight and empathy towards each other. We will discover the where, when, why, and how of the creative process of artists living and working in New England, with occasional bonus interviews with gallery owners, collectors of fine art, and art historians. Perhaps today's show will bring you the aha moment you've been waiting for. Welcome to Artists of New England. Today I have with me Mike Lantigua from Kingston, New Hampshire. He's going to give us a lot of information about his background and what he's doing and what he's done, which is some great things over the years. Um, I first met Mike, I think, at a Seacoast class with Chris Volpe. Yes. In York. Yes. Yeah. So welcome to the show, Mike. Let's get started. Thanks, Laura. And we will find out, first of all, how did you become a New Englander? Are you born and bred here? Yes, I was born in Massachusetts in, um, in 1985. We moved to New Hampshire, and we've never left. All right. Great. Yeah, New Hampshire's a great place to be. I also was... I can tell you a funny story. When we, <laughs> we first bought the house in Sandown... Um, we moved in and had the phone hooked up. It was a brand new house. And um, the technology was so backwards that it was actually a party line. <laughs> you could hear other people <laughs> on the phone with you. And if you dialed in town, you only had to do the last four digits. Isn't This is in 1985? 1985. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> kind of blew our minds yeah. coming from Massachusetts. But, I mean, it's hokey, but it's funny. That is hokey funny. Now, of course, we've come way up here in New well, Hampshire, so yes, well, <laughs> which is why you've stayed. Yeah. So yes. give me some background about your um, artistic endeavors. I, I saw in your bio that your grandfather was a painter. Yeah, my grandfather, I guess, w- would be called what you know a hobby painter. Mm-hmm. Um, but he took a lot of lessons at the uh, Cambridge Center for Adult Education, which is pretty famous now for wow. for art training. Um, and yeah, it, that, it was a lifelong love of his, and he really liked port- portraits. Uh-huh. And I have uh, three portraits of his that I inherited. And um, yeah, the, he at, at at the end he got very very good yeah. at it. So um, did he have an influence on you getting into painting? I was kind of young then. Um, I did appreciate what he was doing, but at the time I didn't have any interest. Mm-hmm. And um, then in 1985, I um, went to the Renoir exhibit mm. in Boston, the MFA. And um, back when he was in vogue and he wasn't being attacked. Um, yeah, and that, that exhibit kind of, it was my first big art exhibit that I ever went to. But it was um, pretty impressionable to see those gigantic paintings um, in person, uh, dance at Bougainville uh, was there, mm-hmm. and um, it kind of, kind of lit the flame of creativity. Sure. And seeing it was in my blood, um, in my genes, it kind of kindled the, an interest, and I fell in love with the impressionists, and mm-hmm. that that kind of is what got me started. But I did not pick up a paintbrush until five years later. 
because um, wow. I actually owned a business um, and it was really hectic. Um, newly married, owned a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, my oldest son came along and um, the business started to not do so well. The crash of um, the savings and loan crash of the late 80s um, kind of put the business under. And um, and then um, I decided to leave the business. And uh, it's, it's really funny is I stopped drinking whiskey and smoking cigars <laughs> the day I left that business. So you can imagine, you, <laughs> you can imagine with OCD tendencies, um, no, you? what a bundle of energy and what a problem it was. Mm. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, how can I use up this energy that I have? And, and then I, came across the stuff I inherited from my grandfather, his easel, his paints, his brushes, and they were all in boxes in the cellar. So I said, you know what? I'll buy a book on Impressionism because that's what I really like. You know, I bought a William Foster book and I bought a How to Do Impressionism (laughs) book and uh, I started doodling around. And And what um, year was that now? This is probably, well, August August 4th, 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the first couple paintings started to come out okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay, there's something here. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I took a couple of lessons with a local like high school art teacher and, and she encouraged me. She said, you know, you've got something here, you should pursue it. Nice. And, um, and then three kids came along. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know that story. <laughs> and everything got packed up. Sure. Back in the cellar for yeah. about 22 years. Mm-hmm. And then when my when my youngest son graduated from high school, that spring, I think that was 2013, um, I unpacked everything and started to paint again. And, uh, and then I took that summer, I think it was, I took my first class with Todd, mm-hmm. Benita, and Chris Wolfby. This plain air thing right, that was, right. was kind of just getting off the ground. It isn't what it is now. It wasn't back then. And um, I was like, wow, this really isn't much fun <laughs> as, as studio painting. because What, the sun, the bugs? the <laughs> Well, it was the result. You know, oh, okay. In two hours, um, I wasn't capable, skill-wise, yeah. of, of getting a, a polished painting outside in two hours Mm -hmm. even though Todd and Chris were very nice and they complimented me as as is their obligation no 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 no. I think they're oh they're sincere um they find the best in everybody they're great but that kind of started me on the workshop path Mm -hmm. um and then I became a workshop junkie and um I took uh some classes with Chris well, B, I was in his, um, what was a Wednesday night class for a while. I had a lot of fun with that abstract impressionism mm-hmm. thing. Um, actually, some of those paintings actually sold. Mm-hmm. And um, But then I realized between taking classes with Karen Blackwood and Todd and Chris, David Lucier. Wow, um, you are a junkie. Dennis Perrin. <laughs> I mean, I made the rounds and I realized... 
there was way too many voices in my head. Yeah. And uh, I have tubes of unopened paint that was this artist's palette yeah. and this artist's palette. And I just said, you know what, I, I need to stop this mm -hmm. because I was going off in a million different directions. And then a good friend, Hillary Scott, um, said that she was going to take this class with Sean Beavis. She was encouraged by a gallery owner to um, develop her skills in Sean's class. And um, so she said, why don't you come with me? So I said, yeah, you know what? I'm not doing anything now. You know, it was Thursday nights and lo and behold, you know, I was, I was blown away by the quality of Sean's work. Mm -hmm. And um, I started doing research and he's in, he's in Quidley and company on Nantucket and New York and Sam. I mean, he's a world renowned painter and I had, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And he's a fantastic teacher uh, to boot, which those two combinations are rare. Mm -hmm. I've I found out through experience. And um, so it's been uh, two years. I just finished my fourth semester with Sean and um, everyone tells me that my work has just increased exponentially mm -hmm. quality wise and mm -hmm. it's because um i'm developing a foundation in skills mm -hmm. that i can apply any way i want right. Uh, right now i'm painting very representational um i have a love for the hudson river gang um, <laughs> and the boston school crowd and um it, it's the technical expertise that is really interesting to me now I may go off on an abstract or an impressionistic tangent uh, every once in a while. Every once in a while, <laughs> but that really is my true love, and um, yeah, so that's that's where I am now in and in, in the foundation so far. Good, but good. we're not done building. Yet. Oh no, no, no! Right, but like you say, once you develop that set of of, you feel like you have a set of skills that are yours. And that you can take now to anything that you're going to work on. You know, I think that takes some time for an artist to develop. What's really interesting is something Karen Blackwood said. Two things. Karen Blackwood, in one of my first classes I ever took with her, um, she said, you, you should abstract by intention, not by limitation. Mm -hmm. And... At the time, I didn't totally understand what she was talking about, mm. but now I do. Is is some people paint abstractly because they've never had the technical foundation, mm -hmm. the skill development. Some do, right? Um, and I think uh, what makes me think of that is uh, all these great Russian painters mm. now who went through the academy. They all learned how to paint right. academically, right. great skills. But the minute they left the academy, they all went off on their own tangent. <laughs> and some of them are abstract. Some of them are impressionistic. It is all beautiful stuff. Right. So that's kind of the path that I might take. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we're in our infancy here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, uh, so, um, so you consider yourself, obviously, a part-time artist because you're still... Working yes. a full-time job. Yes, I have a, a full-time job in corporate sales, mm -hmm. um, which kind of helps me with my marketing of my artwork. I, I have a basic under business understanding. 
mm-hmm. owned my own business. I understand what a gallery owner is going through. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to meet payroll at 26 years old. And, yeah. uh, so I understand. So I approach gallery owners. I put the shoe on, on my foot. I, mm-hmm. I know what they're experiencing. So yeah. I'm not one. I don't go in as one of those whiny prima donna artists who think they're <laughs> the best thing in the world. Um, I approach it in a business-like manner. Yeah. So I think also you got into figure painting as well. That's something you, yeah, in so, 2016, started. Yeah. Um, I, and it's funny you say that. I just, I just read a blog and, or an article in Fine Art Connoisseur magazine, um, this newsletter that I, I get, and um, they were going through the traditional European hierarchy of importance and quality of work and how um, you were viewed as an artist. Mm. And figurative was at the very top of the list. Mm. Like if you could master painting the human body, you had made it as an artist Mm -hmm. back then. Mm. I mean, you started out with still life. That was at the bottom of the (laughs) the bottom of the list and you moved up. Isn't that sad? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, I admire all the beautiful still life work that I see mm-hmm. academically, mm-hmm. but the subject matter it bores me to tears. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I can't force myself to sit down and do something mm-hmm. that I'm not interested yeah, in. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. yeah, so I'm on a journey of, I just finished um, my first uh, drawing from life class with Sydney Bella Sparrow mm-hmm. and, um, Boy, was it a humbling experience. Yeah, I did too with Shana Gates, and uh, it, it absolutely was, <laughs> I have to admit. Because I am a studio painter. <laughs> I'll, I'll paint from a picture on my 48-inch monitor, and I'll zoom in, and I'll have all the details, <laughs> and I can go get a cup of coffee. I can, you know, uh, make a pit stop, whatever, and come back, and I can yeah. work at my own pace well no. working with a live model is totally yeah you have to make snap decisions you have to make those mocks quickly did they start with like a one minute we did sketch. we started with a 20 minute and then a 30 minute well, we started with one minute sketches, oh, which I, really freed you up to get the gestures you know just complete and some was, of those are my favorite to it, be honest it, it's end. hard for me because i can't put a thought together in 20 minutes <laughs> never mind you know, get some kind of drawing. So we did the one minute, the three minute, five minute, twenty. Yeah, and then the. Uh, we ended up doing a couple of um, three class long poses that were three hours each. So I have a, two drawings mm. that have about nine hours into them, and mm. I mean, so and is it graphite or charcoal? I was using graphite. Okay, yeah. Um, I had previously done one class, uh, a cast bus drawing with charcoal. Mm-hmm. And that is extremely difficult. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I had I had like 60 hours into that drawing. Oh. But it was with a Boston school trained teacher, Sandra Galda, and she was a student of Paul Ingbertson. Mm-hmm. And they have a very specific way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And you don't deviate from it. And, um, I mean, the result was beautiful. The, the drawing was beautiful. Yeah. But I just said, I said to myself, do I want to spend 60 hours on graphite drawings for the next 18 months? Right. And I said, no. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Well, I think for me with them, um, you know, especially being in Todd's classes um, and some others, they, they emphasize the drawing, you know, draw every day, draw every day. And I don't. So I took, I took drawing one years ago, which was the first thing that ever got me into even starting. Well, four years ago, I started that drawing class, uh, drawing one. So I thought, well, let me do drawing two now. <laughs> it was so much harder than I thought. Yeah. Um, I, I resisted it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd and many others told me you need to develop your drawing skills. Mm-hmm. It will make you a better painter. Yeah. Oh, I think. And I yeah, thought he was far. full of baloney. Yeah. And, but, you know, now I realize my draftsmanship has to go up yeah. if I want the quality of my painting to go up. Yeah. And and so now I have sketchbooks everywhere. I keep yeah. one in my backpack, one in my car. <laughs> just because I think for me, what I got out of that class is the daily habit. Just do it. Yeah. Just get over the fear of trying to make something great and make something. <laughs> and it's all just practice. Skills. I mean, honestly, if I come out with a beautiful painting, mm. I consider it practice. Yeah, this is practice, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I to get to the point where I want to be. So this, I apply the same thing to drawing. Yeah. It's all just practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what defines you at this point? I know it might change throughout your career as an artist, but what defines success for you right now as an artist? Um, if I had to put a label on it, I would say um, that I would be a full-time artist uh, supporting my household, you know, with, with a revenue stream mm-hmm. um, and actually uh, finally doing something that you absolutely love doing mm-hmm. and supporting yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, that it, I realize that most artists do not become independently wealthy. But to have the benefit of doing some waking up every day and doing something that you love mm-hmm. and actually supporting yourself, mm-hmm. that to me is success. Success, yeah. Fame is secondary. Sure. So what are you working on right now or planning for the near future? What uh, works are you doing? Um, I just completed a a landscape and a couple of seascapes. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't picked what I'm going to work on next. Um, mm-hmm. Probably maybe take some of my drawings and try a figure of drawings and try and make them into paintings, mm-hmm. which again, the process would be a first mm-hmm. to take my own drawing, transfer it to a canvas and then do a painting of it. That mm-hmm. would be, um, yeah, that would be a challenge, but Um, I seem to have um, an ability to do very nice seascapes. So Mm -hmm. I think that is my ticket to a revenue stream. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I will continue to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody believes that that's going to be my thing. You do very beautiful seascapes. (laughs) I think that first day I met you on York Beach, I came up behind you and I said, and I thought we were going to be friends. Because yours was so much better than mine. And I was like, oh, how did you do that? Yeah, very, very beautiful seascapes. So um, let's talk a little bit about balancing this, as I call it, this addiction. Because I think we all have this mm. thing where we just can't, you know, stop. And sometimes our spouses don't understand. And they do not. Yeah, and that can be tricky. So how do you balance all of that with family? And, you know, how do you how do you get secluded and I mean, what does Sally say? Did she beat on the door? <laughs> <laughs> it is a thin line. I'll tell you. Um, 
she knows, she understands, she understands what I'm trying to do. And uh, God bless her. She, mm -hmm. she does give me the, uh, the room and the slack to do what I have to do. And it's from many conversations we've had, like, Sally, this is what I want to do blankety blank in the future, right? You know, I've set a date on the calendar in the future. This is a goal. Mm. I said, but I have to do this step, this step, this step to get there. And it involves time. Mm. And I work a 40 hour a week job. Mm. And so that means everything revolves around nights and weekends. Mm. Every class I take, I have to find a teacher who's willing to do it at night mm -hmm. or on the weekends. Uh, workshops are always on the weekends. Um, and my painting time. And, um, you know, that was one of the reasons why I'm mm -hmm. not here at the Sears mm -hmm. Gallery anymore, because I needed those weekends yeah. that I was here right. two days a month in order to do what I needed to do right. professionally to, mm -hmm. to make the next step. Yeah. And sometimes you have to take a step back yeah. to take two steps forward exactly. professionally. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's all about time management, and, and you have to have a spouse that understands. Yeah. And But if if I could eventually get to be a full-time painter, then I get my nights and weekends back for my family life. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, and you have the beautiful grandbabies now. They're out of state, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're, they're in <laughs> Omaha, so oh. we'll see them once or twice a year. Oh. But, um, yeah, it, that's tough. Yeah. So one question that I always like to ask artists, because I think we all struggle with it, is sometimes we get these negative thoughts. Why are you doing this? And who think who do you are to think that you can just do this? And how do you handle that? Um, I think it's innate in my personality to, to ignore a lot of people. Um, I've been self-sufficient since I was about 11 or 12 mm -hmm. years old, and I realized um, I just don't give a shit what anyone thinks <laughs> about me or, or what I'm doing. And, um, so that, that's kind of the filter I use. Yeah. And I use that in my everyday life too, my non-artistic life. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm in sales and I can handle rejection. And, mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I never take anything personal. Um, and boy, you have to have thick skin to be trying to break into the art world mm -hmm. because there is a lot of negativity mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. and so much of it is opinion based. Mm -hmm. It's not, that's the most frustrating part is there's a severe lack of standards and nothing is factually based. Mm -hmm. Everything is opinion based mm -hmm. and based on some pretty wacko <laughs> ideals and principles and, you know, from, you know, don't get me started about the modern art movement because we'll be here for an oh, no. hour and a half. Oh, no, stop. Okay. <laughs> we'll stop you there. Um, if you could spend the day with any living painter, who would it be and where would you go? Um, I'm on a, um, I'm on a Jeremy Mann kick now. He's kind of my favorite contemporary artist. And um, he does these fabulous uh, cityscapes, very abstract, uh, again. But he's got an, a background of drawing that lets him accomplish these beautiful um, cityscapes. And um, he's huge into figurative. Mm -hmm. But 
the thing I love what he's doing is he'll do a highly rendered figure nude, but it's masked in this abstract background and mm. foreground. Like you really have to study it to say, hey, that's a couch. Mm. Oh, I can see the chandelier in the background, or I can see the mirror of the dressing room. And I, I've kind of been infatuated with the way he's accomplishing this. Mm. So um, I did see an ad on Facebook of his that he, once a year, he has this boot camp. Yeah. And he only <laughs> invites 11 artists. Ooh. And... Um, he said, you better be ready to work 12 hours a day, seven days, no, no coffee breaks or lunch breaks. Or, uh. you know, it is literally an artistic boot camp. And um, I, would, I would take the pain to learn his process. So that's, oh, that that's kind of a goal. Try for it I, the, you, you, you literally yeah. have to apply for yeah, it. Sure. And he has to review your portfolio and say, hey, and he said, this is for serious people only. Mm -hmm. He goes, because I'm going to kick your ass, basically. <laughs> but sometimes artists need that. Um, That's true. Yeah. And, I'd, you know, I'd like to take a, a, one of those workshops with Joseph McGurl, mm -hmm. too. I mean, yeah. I just adore his work. Mm -hmm. That luminous um, realism is just fantastic. And. And when he posted his his last show, I think it was in Denver, um, that he had like twenty two paintings there, and he sold out or pretty close to selling out. Now, the prices of his paintings all reach at least six figures, mid six figures, hmm. and to sell out a show like that <laughs> at that price range is just amazing. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, and uh, he's got the backing of the Art Renewal Center, which I believe is just awesome, mm -hmm. uh, what they're doing and how they're trying to raise the standard mm -hmm. in the art world. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, all these things interest me, but, yeah. you know, talk to me in six months and I may, I may be going off on right. another tangent. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so um, one other question about technology. So how do you do all of your, do you do your own Social media, Facebook, Instagram, you're on the website, you have help. Well, I resisted, having a, uh, I resisted having a website and doing all that work for a long time. But about a year ago, a little over a year ago, I found out about FASO mm -hmm. and how easy it was. It's template-driven. Um, the most work I had to put in was photographing the artwork and Photoshopping it so it looked professional. Mm -hmm. I'm an ex-Photoshop artist ah, for oh, work, so okay. you know, I it wasn't that much work for me. And then, you know, everything's just an upload. You upload the images, you upload the copy. You know, it, it took me like two full weekends, and I had a beautiful website. Nice. So I was told by every gallery owner and every other artist that I had to have a web page. You know, it come to find out after a year it really isn't that important mm. um social media is so much more important mm. um getting your name out there mm -hmm. and um two years ago i took the time to build a facebook business page mm -hmm. uh, lantico fine art and i have 
1,600 followers wow. on that page wow. where I check the analytics on my website every morning while I'm drinking my coffee, and I might get one or two mm -hmm. or three hits a day on my web page. And that's just me. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, if I subtracted friends and family, it'd probably be <laughs> a lot worse. Um, but, um, you know, I'll post my last post on that business page. I got, you know, 650 people to actually view it. Mm. And um, my regular Facebook page, I have, you know, 600 friends. It's crazy. Um, Instagram, I'm trying to build that up. I have only about 450 followers and I just downloaded a white page on on how to develop your Instagram following and um, I'm starting to implement some of those and yep. and surprisingly LinkedIn oh. from my from my day job my yeah, sales yeah. job I'm I have a big presence on LinkedIn and I I have um, 1300 followers on that page. Mm. And I get a surprisingly a lot of interaction between them on that, yeah. which is is uh, you know their anti Facebook kind of oh, mentality okay. on LinkedIn. It's yeah. supposed to be nothing but your profession, and well, I have two professions, and I post both of them mm -hmm. on there. Okay, so um, yeah, I actually um, got someone interested in my last painting from an, uh, a LinkedIn post. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Have you made sales at all from I, I strictly online? I don't know if I can legitimately say that this sale happened because of social media, yeah. but it's more a marketing tool. Right. And I do intentionally drive people to the website from my social mm -hmm. media. Mm -hmm. I will put a, there's a link to my webpage on, on all four of them. Um, I'll even buy a Facebook ad on my business page promoting my web page. So everyone who clicks on that link, yeah. they automatically go to my web page. So, but it's such a slow, painful process marketing online. It is not, it's not as successful as the digital marketers mm -hmm. are because I've lived it in my day job yeah. for the last 11 years that mm -hmm. I've been in sales. I mean, it's a great tool. And as I tell everyone, it's a tool that's in your toolbox, mm -hmm. but it's not the be-all, end-all. Mm -hmm. I do yeah. agree with Jason that face-to-face, yeah. -face, that's the way I do my day job, yeah. my sales job, face-to-face -face is the best. Right. And you're referring to Jason Horse, who yes. we interviewed from... Um, and I listened to Zanity. last night. Yeah. 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 So um, I guess but as we wrap up, give me give us something, your, your best wisdom for artists that uh, are I mean, if somebody's traveling on the road to the same path, what, what would be your best advice? Well, um, Todd gave me some great advice a couple of years ago. Um, he said... Um, Todd Benita. Todd Benita. Mm -hmm. um, one day outside his Algonquin Gallery, I asked him for his advice, and he was very candid with me, and he said... You need to elevate the quality of your work mm -hmm. because I was, even back then, I was talking about how do I get into a gallery? How do I sell my work? And he looked at me honestly and said, you need to elevate the quality of your work. Mm -hmm. And he said, number two, you have to get into your studio and find out who you are as, a, as an artist. Yeah. And um, 
people have men, people have to find out what you are as an artist and they have to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the process that every artist has to take. Um, yeah. And, and eventually follow your heart. I mean, I will eventually find some, some genre that, that I'm absolutely in love with mm-hmm. and I'll dump everything else and focus on that. Mm-hmm. But um, I know people in the art world want you to be the person who paints purple cats. <laughs> the gallery owners want to know that that's what you're producing and that's what they can sell. And the art critics and the art associations want to know who you are as an artist. I think it's all nonsense, but that's just my opinion. Um, <laughs> if you look back traditionally, most artists, they started out doing still life, mm-hmm. portraiture, figurative. They had a very big, broad um, basis of information and training to build on. And what they eventually focus on is what they loved. Right. So, um, right. yeah. So advice for people starting out is I think uh, get the best academic training that you can afford and you have the time to do. And then you can always go backwards as an artist. Mm-hmm. If I can paint like Joseph McGurl, I can go backwards and paint impressionistically, put less detail in. I can do anything I want. But until I get to that skill level, um, I'm going to be limited in what. Yeah. I mean, there's not. I told Chris Volpe one day uh, um, a dream I had um, that I had this wonderful painting all conjured up in my mind and developed, and I knew what I wanted to do but I lacked the you skill do to do it. it. Yes. Yeah. I said that was one of the most depressing yeah. art moments in my life, and that was a while ago. Yeah, and I think every artist has to face that that reality. That's, yeah. that's the Everyone grim reality of the that. art world. Is yeah. You can be the most creative, imaginative person in the world, mm-hmm. but if you don't have the skills to put it on the canvas, mm-hmm. you're in trouble. Right. right. Yeah. So yeah. that's well. Thank you. It's been great. We've learned all about you. Thank and you. We'll check in with you in five years in the big galleries and <laughs> oh, <laughs> in my dreams. Yeah, and uh, Sally will thank you then. <laughs> Sally will thank me. Yeah. Yes. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Laura. Bye bye. Bye bye. If you found inspiration from today's show, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and share it with a friend or two on social media. Also, take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes or share your takeaways from today's show on artistsofnewengland.com under today's episode. And while you're there, you'll find links to the topics mentioned in today's show. And don't forget to peruse the growing library of podcasts and resources. Thanks for listening. you got beauty to share with the world that no other human has. So get in the ring and pick up that brush.